and welcome. My name is Kirsty Rice and together with my co-host Moffat, we are the two fat expats and when we say fat, we mean we've packed a lot into our expat lives. With 13 different countries and six children between us, we've managed to fill our passports and lives with a lot of expat experience. Due to COVID, I'm currently grounded in Australia with my children while my husband's working away in Qatar, well, for one more day, hopefully, and Nikki is in Copenhagen with her family, which is where we find her today. How are you, Nikki Moffat? Oh, Kirsty Rice, what a few days it's been. <laughs> what oh, a few me days. Freaking cron. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it has. And as my beautiful girlfriend put it the other day, this is the worst game of snakes and ladders I've ever played. And that is what it feels like, isn't it? You're up the ladder and then you're sliding back down again. Um, On Friday, we were up. We were climbing up that ladder. We were so smug happy in that um, G filled out all of his paperwork to come to Australia. I think he was meant to be coming next Saturday. And we got so excited because the approval came through and it said seven days home quarantine, which was a big, big change for South Australia. It had always been 14 days hotel quarantine. So that was on Friday. And we, you know, we were kind of bragging about it to all of our friends, you know, G's going to come home, he's going to do seven days home quarantine and then we're out. Yeah, sort of literally the next day Omicron came and, uh, yeah, everything changed. Now he is literally packing his bags. He's got the PCR test done. And when he arrives at the airport in Australia, I am told he will be whisked away to a Medi hotel where he will then be interviewed and, you know, need to prove that he can uh, home quarantine after spending 72 hours in his many hotel. Then he'll get a police escort, Nikki. That sounds not uh, an overreaction at all, does it? <laughs> Particularly when if he'd flown into another city in the state. I've just realised I'm making this intro about 30 minutes long, but bear with me, people, bear with me. It's been a big couple of days. But, yeah, it, if he had flown into Victoria, if he had flown into New South Wales, he would have just been handed a piece of paper like our friend Kelly and told, just don't go and, you know, mix with anyone, please. Just go home for 72 hours. That's the difference. How can this be? Look, I don't know, Kessie, and maybe we can cut the intro short and go straight into my question for you this week, <laughs> which is related. So, you know, with the announcement of, another new and not yet necessarily widely studied mm. variant, do we bother with plans anymore? Yeah. Europe's heading back into lockdowns. Cases are at twice the rate of the 2020 peak in Germany and also nearly here in Denmark. Like where is the hope? So you were having the very upbeat feeling on Friday. I was having just a regular feeling <laughs> on Friday. I was just going about my business, doing some interviews at school, all sorts of things, planning, etc. And then I woke up on Saturday and I can't tell you the sense of dread and horror I had and anxiety was out of this world. Like it, it was disproportional to the news. Like it, it made me realize that this has a deep, deep impact on me. And, and I'm sure many, many other people, but I physically felt sick. I physically felt so dejected and 
horrified and just wanted to scream, I Oh, I bloody told you so. And then all my Facebook groups started pop, 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 popping. Yeah. Restrictions, the Australian government announcements, and I'm screaming across the apartment to my husband, look what they, I told you we couldn't trust the government, you know, just yeah. as well we're not going home for Christmas. I don't know. Yeah, just so, as well. Sorry, just but- as well, Nikki. <laughs> just as well. I, I just, look, I, I still, the people I really, really feel for, well, I feel for everyone, but I really, really feel for the South Africans because I think they've been through so much and then their brilliant scientists have to wear this <laughs> for being so brilliant. But seeing everything be shut down on their behalf and all the people, you know, there's a, well, I maybe, maybe it's hit us all this hard, Nikki, because South Africans, are they the ultimate expats in that so many of them, travel do you know like we have a in australia we have a huge amount of south africans we do and i think that that's why our communities are intertwined in 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 that way i mean south africa this is the second time it's happened to them that they've identified a variant and then that then that it's being labeled as coming from south africa when in fact it's just the variant and it's the fact that they have so many amazing facilities because of their studied into hiv Mm -hmm. and they've got world leading medical facilities and this has come up for them i have a friend who i've spoken about on the podcast before she was she and her family were stuck in South Africa trying to repatriate and then they were able to repatriate in two lots earlier this year except they left their son who was in his last year of school to finish school. He finished school last week and he was in the car on the way to schoolies down in Durban when this happened and his flight was cancelled. So he was going to reunite with his family. He hasn't seen them since December and February last year or this year and now there is no telling when he might be able to get out of South Africa and home Mm. to his Australian family. So, I mean, there, I mean, and that's just one story and it's personal to me because I know the family and millions, millions, hundreds and thousands more for everyone going everywhere. There's people that were on planes that got turned around, you know, weren't able to land. The absolute immediate hysteria made me think, made me think, oh, my goodness, we're all going to die because it just was. It was that kind of ridiculousness, you know, like there's planes being turned around. There's this, But then, you know, and then we wonder why we can't be trusted to do our own home quarantine because we're grown responsible adults yep. and there's people who were put in a quarantine hotel in the Amsterdam arrested on a plane going to Spain. Oh. They just jumped out of the hotel, got into yeah, got Lordy. to the airport and were arrested on a plane. And this is why we can't have nice things, people, because we can't <laughs> be trusted. Uh, Nikki, back to your original question of do we just stop making plans? No, we don't because then we would be defeated and I refuse to be defeated. But I think what we have to do is we make those plans knowing that they are going to change on a whim. We just can't get too confident that things are going to go ahead. And I think, you know, last Christmas, Nikki, I don't think any of us would have dreamed of booking Christmas holidays. You know, we all thought, no, that there's no way that's going to happen. But this Christmas we started to think, oh, yeah, yeah, this could happen. But no, that was just silly. That was silly, silly, silly. Um, I mean, and I hope that G comes and I'm glad that he was able to change his flight and thank you to the amazing Chrissy who spent <laughs> a lot of her day yes. arranging that, I'm Super sure. Agent. Super travel agent Chrissy. And, I mean, my husband came out last night and said to me, 
I'm thinking we should go to Australia for the whole summer break. So just from the day that, you know, Willow breaks up from school until just before she goes back. I'm like, are you out of your mind? (laughs) He's like, well, where would we stay? I was like, where could we get in? I mean, who knows? Who's going to take us? You know, we could be pariahs again by then. And he's like, no, no, I think we should plan that. And just in my head, I'm not yet shifted. I mean, we were meant to record this on Sunday and for various reasons of, of both, for both of us, we couldn't. But had we done this on Sunday, I would be in a much, much deeper, darker place because <laughs> I've, I've, the last few days has given me at least a little bit of confidence that we're going to be coming back. Oh, look, I am one of those people that has optimism about Omicron. <laughs> I think I am going with the, the hope and I'm clinging to it that, yes, it's more contagious but less of us are going to die and that this may be the thing that helps us. I'm I'm clinging on to let's all get Omicron together <laughs> and we'll all be okay. Nikki, there was a fantastic article in the New York Times and it was talking about is a corona the equivalent of the Great War? It was well written. It starts off saying... A mystery has long surrounded the great influenza of 1918 to 19. Why did a pandemic that killed upward of 50 million people, many of them otherwise healthy young adults, leave such a limited imprint on humanity's cultural memory, especially in contrast to World War I, which killed less than half as many people? And it talks about the countless novels and films and monuments, etc., to great to the Great War, but but that that pandemic really hardly I can't really think of many movies I've seen talking about that pandemic. But it, it's it was just well written, and I and I think this is the Great War for our kids and our nation because I I think particularly with this last strain. I don't think I'm ever going to trust for the rest of my life that there won't be another pandemic. I mean, now that it's happened and we've lived through it and it's gone on and on, I'm, I I can't see myself forgetting about this in a big, big hurry. This article goes on to say you could make the case that COVID will prove to be the true Great War of the early 21st century, the source of so many genuinely new and terrifying experiences seared into our collective memory, the hauntingly empty streets of Manhattan and Madrid, the corpses stacked in temporary freezers. Decades from now, I suspect I will still be able to conjure the backdrop of the incessant sirens in Brooklyn in late March 2020, the creepy terror of it all, the dreadful urgency of trying to make decisions to keep your family safe when so little was understood about the nature of the virus itself. I Look, I agree it's, that's very compelling writing and I, I do think so. And then, But then I think I, I agree with that and I'm never going to trust again and I've been permanently scarred by this and you know I'm less trustworthy and optimistic than you are to start with. <laughs> Um, but then I think about all the people who are refugees yes. and have been in countries that are war torn for years, yeah. and I think and they deal with this. They've all been the time. in a war, yes. and they deal with this all the time. Like all we're asked, all we're being asked to do is sit inside our freaking houses That's and so just not do anything. And for me and for you, we have been extremely lucky in that our jobs we've been able to and our spouses' jobs have been able to be maintained during this time remotely or otherwise. I mean, it's incredibly, it's an incredibly privileged view, but 
the fact is is that it does impact many, many more people. So yeah. it's being felt by more people. And the problem with the sadly with not the problem but the issue with the refugees and the the war-torn nations that have been there for years and years is that people stop caring about them because it doesn't impact them on a day-to-day basis Mm. but Mm. COVID does but yeah I mean in our community we have both those people you know both those types of people you know those that have lived in those countries yeah um, and then people also very, very impacted by this, and I, I, I look. I just, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I was very down, and also I was very sick on Sunday and Monday, so yes. I was having a double, a double beat up of myself. But I, I have felt a little bit more optimistic, and I've spent the last sort of three or four days consuming not every single piece of media, but listening to hopeful pieces yes. such as you know the Australian Coronacast podcast with the very level headed uh, Dr. Norman, Dr. Swan. Norman Swan. <laughs> and his metaphors. Or as those in Australia would probably call him, Swanee. <laughs> right, okay. Didn't know he's called Swanee. No, I'm just saying, you know how Australians like but, to shorten yeah. everything. What's Swanee doing for Chrissy? But, but Swanee, Swanee. <laughs> But Swanee seems to think we might be okay. And so, but I was also very interested to listen to um, another podcast yesterday that I can't put my finger on right now, was talking about sequencing. So saying that South Africa and the UK are excellent in sequencing the strains they have at the moment and the US is catching up on doing that yes. whereas the EU hasn't been very good they've been good at reporting cases but not necessarily tracking the the variants etc yeah. and i was interested to hear that 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 was an american perspective that the EU was particularly bad at it and that south africa was a shining beacon and mm. the us was catching I up know, so it was interesting to hear different perspectives because a lot of obviously covid news i consume is is european based so it's around but i mean let's face it the eu hasn't tracked or contact traced in 18 months because it just got out of got in and got out and so we were just like okay this is what you do you don't stand near people you don't do this you don't go in shops and just as an update uh we're back to masks in denmark so everywhere you go from monday morning people are wearing masks again inside shops and places of business so yeah nikki i have a question for you so at the farewell of an expat colleague recently the guest of honour had expressed that he would miss the conversations amongst expats the most. So this was a guy from the UK and he had come to Qatar to work for, oh, I reckon it's a good sort of seven years, and he'd gone home. Uh, He was going back to the UK. His explanation about that was that when he was at home, inverted commas, there'd been a lot of small talk inverted commas and it was something that rarely happened in his expat world what do you think nikki is is there more small talk when everyone is pretty much from the same place doing the same things look yes i think there is and i was just thinking about that as you're saying it and i think that there is small talk in expat worlds but expat small talk is different it it is it leads to 
different conversations because you're talking with people from totally different backgrounds. And so I think that the small talk is necessary. You you ask the same kind of questions, but you just get totally different answers. Yes. To me. Yes. That's what I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that there is small talk and you do talk about the weather, but you don't say, hey, and one time I was, you know, in Africa and we were flooded. And yeah, (laughs) it reminds me of that time that or, you know, once it was 55 degrees in Doha and, you know, we cooked eggs and do you know like things that just would never be discussed when you all come from and live in one place yeah and even I was thinking well has COVID made expats have more small talk but even then no because they'll talk about the relevance in their home country you know I've been to work today in Australia and there was not one conversation about the new strain of the virus not one nobody what not not one that's not what people were talking about (laughs) Didn't care. No, there just wasn't that conversation, whereas my entire world at the moment revolves around can I get my husband on a plane tonight and will something happen? You know, what will those quarantine things look like, blah, blah, blah. Um, And my family obviously want to have the same conversation, my sister and whatever, but that is not really an issue for anyone that I work with because they're sitting in a world where I think Australia now is 92% vaccinated our state is 90 percent first vax 81 percent second vax right so while i think i don't know nikki if you had a look in new south wales and victoria i think there were nine cases in new south wales today or something and zero deaths so things are really you know and we know it's summer don't get excited we don't get excited about these things because we know that there'll be something coming so I'm not getting excited about it but I think there is not that same oh but how will I travel how will I do whatever how will I do that because uh, the woman I was in an office with she'd been up in the hills and stayed in some really lovely accommodation up in the hills on the weekend you know somebody else had been camping on the York Peninsula you know like it was still very lovely and easy and but it it involved being within a 100k radius do you know of of where we where we are yeah I would say every conversation I've had in the past three or four days online and in person has involved yeah the Greek alphabet yes and about people's travel plans and not not the people I'm talking to like just Yep. Lots of people they know who've impacted and yep. who are having issues. And this is why, Nikki, I am so glad that I still have that blog because, you know, last yesterday was a hard day for me. It was the anniversary of my dad's death, which I didn't want to, I didn't kind of want to recognise. I don't want to recognise that day. I want that day not to be the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but still it's simmering, right? You, you're trying to push it down, but you've still got to ring your mum and have a chat about it and you're still thinking, oh, I wonder how my sister's going and whatever. But so I had that and then this bloody Greek alphabet and it was all I thought about. And I I said to my son, I'm going to have to write something because I know I feel better if I just write something. And sure enough, the minute you write, you feel better, then you post and then there's your tribe of hundreds of people who are all, you know, who want to be empathetic to you but also tell you their situation, which in so many cases was so much worse. You know, there were people that, like your friend whose son was, you know, days away from getting on a plane and now 
gosh knows when they're going to see him. There was story after story after story, you know, my husband's going to be in a hotel in Japan on his own for Christmas Day, which is just to me the most miserable thing. Or, you know, my husband's, we've moved flights forward so he can get here. Or, you know, when we thought we were going to see my daughter, she's at uni and wherever, we're not going to get to see her now. I haven't seen my mum for two years. I thought I was going to see her now. I'm not going to see her. So I think, yes, but that's, that's my expat world and and so I'm always very aware that when you say about when we say about small talk and whatever it almost sounds like a bit of an insult and it's not an insult it's just it's the difference in how wide your umbrella reaches isn't it of yeah, yeah, small talk is a way to start a conversation. Yeah. It's a way to open a discussion. It's a way to ease into something. Yeah. You don't walk in and say, Jesus, let me tell you about that gastro bug I had on the weekend. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> and here's what happened in uh, my bathroom. And, you know, like you don't do that. You know, you go in and you say, gee, it's chilly outside. You know, oh, yeah. I was just on my way past this shop and I saw this. And, you know, like it, it's it's different. But what you normally get is a different kind of response, I find, yes. in those situations. But yeah. but when you're at, when I'm in Australia and I have, you know, talking with my family and friends there, it's fine. It's just a different set it's of cozy. discussions and conversations. I think it is. Maybe it shouldn't be it's called. It's cosy you know and I what? love it. It shouldn't be called small talk. It should be called comfort talk, I think. And comfort talk. I think that nice. when I, the one that really plays on my mind is I remember being Doha, a girlfriend down the street who lived on the same compound said, oh, I'm having a couple of friends over, come for a cup of coffee. Uh, walk down thinking, oh, you know, cup of coffee mid-morning, it's going to be a coffee morning sort of thing and you make your preconceived ideas of what that's going to be anyway. Yeah, because a lot of people have very anti-feelings towards coffee mornings. That's right. Sit down at the coffee morning, fantastic woman from India who I've spotted before, you know, coming in another compound but I've never met. We get talking, we, you know, whereabouts in India and she's from a part of India that I had never, ever considered because I'd always met people from Kerala and, you know, where it was green and warm and lush but she was from northern where it was cold and snowed and she was up in the mountains and she told this story of that when she was younger how her father had trained her how to run from certain animals without getting caught you know, that you have to run in a zigzag to get away from this particular animal because they they won't be able to catch you. And, you know, there was one particular one, you just ran flat out in a straight line. But there was every single nuance that her father had taught her of how to survive up in the mountains in the cold. And I was just sitting there going, this is the most fascinating thing I have heard in forever and this was just because I happened to walk down the road to have a cup of coffee with the lady that lived at number 22. Do you know, it was yeah. just, and they're those expat moments when you go, oh, this is so exciting and thrilling. And if that's your bag, right, if you're into meeting people and hearing people's stories and that's your bag, well, then you are going to love expat life. So maybe that's it. Whereas the comfort talk I think is that talk that I have out at the front gate here at Port Wollonga about, you know, whose house is for sale, what's happening down at the surf, <laughs> what the new specials are and, you know, whether the avocado well, has any the, right to call itself guacamole. 
<laughs> well, let's be let's be clear. That's a, that's an expat conversation too at the school at the front of the school yes. or on your way in from the supermarket. Yep. Who's moving? <laughs> what what apartments are available? Yep. Who's who's are they who's selling leaving, their who's car? Coming? Yeah. <laughs> what what they're gonna have? You know, like what the kids have said about it. You know, like, yeah. and True. and uh, you know your latest conversation with your parents. Like th- those yeah. things are so still true. the same. They're just a little bit different. So I can see why the the guest expressed that he would miss the conversations. Um, but I I think that there is also a certainness to an expat conversation. Yeah. Like you wouldn't know that that woman was going to be from India, but you would know that you would meet someone perhaps that had a totally different life experience to you and you would learn something different. Yeah, yeah. Nikki, our bold statements. Last week I said oh. I was going to go to the physio with the Pilates. I have been to the physio with the Pilates. Oh, so it was off. amazing. So what the deal is, at the front it looks just like everyday physio. You go into the physio's office, you tell her all your dramas and then she takes you out the back and there's all those reformer beds there and some sort of a sort of apparatus which she called a trapeze, which I'm going back to have a go at on Tuesday. <laughs> So I will have to report back. Um, but I'm hooked. I love it. It's so easy, gentle, smooth. Um, it is definitely for women of my age and size and and whoever else. I've noticed the captain of my football team is now promoting a strong Pilates, I think it's called. Um, but I absolutely loved it, just the balance and the core and the sliding up and down on the bench and the um, just the concentration, but I absolutely loved it and I'll be going back next week. Um, what was she? And did you have, hang on, hang on, yes. did you have any, do you have any sore muscles? I always find Pilates just like makes me as sore as I can possibly no, imagine. No, because this one was really half the visit was the conversation with the physio and the other half okay. of the conversation was I'm going to take you through the first 10 exercises on the apparatus and then you'll have to come back and do the trapeze next time and then you can start booking in for the classes. Oh, wow. That's a lovely, gentle introduction was, as well. Very, very responsible but of course I'm eager as well. Okay. To get there. Yes. Did you yes. have any bold statements? So my statements? bold statement was, yes, yes, it was about speaking to your friend Trish. Oh, yes. And um, uh, she and I are going to talk later today. So I <laughs> good, good. snuck that in. Okay. So it's it's an ongoing update, the saga of Nikki and Trish and Doha and tennis. And <laughs> right. Okay. I think we'll stay off the bold statements for this week. It sounds like I think we're well, now on to. It's Christmas. That's right. Yeah. It's Christmas. We're now on to, are we up to th- Wednesday, Thursday, anyway? We'll be recording again on Sunday, so we'll try again then. Nikki, I was going to speak about The Strength Next Door, but I haven't listened to the podcast yet, so I'll push that one back. I did read a great article that completely inspired me. It was in the New York Times. I will attach the link. And it was about a couple who had made a split a, a split decision to just retire in Italy and um, I think it probably appealed to me in my I want to say late 30s early 40s the kids were little 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 and we were in no it was late 30s so in my late 30s we went to New York went to New York a couple of times but I think it might have been that second visit 
And we stayed in Chelsea and we were in an apartment and I made a very bold statement to my husband that we would go back and we would live in New York for six months and it didn't have to be fancy pants jobs. It just had to be everyday jobs that basically paid the rent and enough to feed us. But I was going to make sure that within my life, um, you know, whether it was retirement or it was whatever, that there was going to be six months in New York. And it kind of dawned on me that, you know, life has just kept on going and kept on going. (laughs) Ten years later, here we are. And you do kind of start to push those dreams out. Like everything seems feasible when you're 30 and 40, everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, that can happen easily. And then something shocking happens at 50 where you, I guess you start to think about planning and where will kids be and all those sorts of things and maybe you stop making those bold statements. Um, anyway, it just brought it back to me because this was a this was a woman who had gone to Italy when she was younger, said that she would go back and life had just got away from her. She'd got married, she'd had kids, but she'd said it enough times to her children that her children were the ones that kept saying to her, well, when are you going to go? You always said you were going to go. When are you going to go? You haven't gone yet. When are you going to go? So they, she kind of walked you through what they did and how they first went and rented and started somewhere completely different to where they ended up, then how they eventually sold their home and how they made it happen. And it's it's beautiful. There's beautiful photos. There's beautiful stories. It's um, well worth the read. So that's my one. Um, the other one is have you watched Tick, Tick, Boom yet? I have not. Okay. No. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. So it's based on the autobiographical musical of the playwright Jonathan Larson, who, of course, wrote Rent. Five thousand six. Oh yeah, no, I saw it advertised, and I, I, yeah, 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 yeah. My son was in it. He was a, a main part in the school musical. I love it. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Look, this will. I, I bet your sons watched it. So it's the story of Jonathan Larson and his time in New York City. I'm having a real New York City moment, aren't I? I think that's part of it because you just fall in love with the city. It's musical, Lidwell Miranda um, directs Direct, it um, yeah. and it really is a real dedication to Stephen Sondheim um, because you see the influence that Stephen Sondheim had on Jonathan Larson and how important he was to his career. It's beautiful, funny, witty. It'll make you want to go to the theatre and get up and dance and sing and take up musical theatre all over again. And on that, um, Stephen Sondheim died this week and uh, yes. I don't know if you saw the tribute in Times Square. I oh. did because you shared it oh. on your Instagram story. So good. It was very, very good. What a man. Um, so, yeah, yes. I would say go and look at all of those things and immerse yourself um, in the musical theatre. And I had the, I'm had i going to finish with a question. So, Nikki, I just had a listen to Rebecca Wolf on Mamma Mia, Mia Friedman's one. What is hers called? No Filter. No Filter. So... Rebecca Wolf used to have a blog called Girl Gone Child and I can remember reading it sort of back in the early 2000s, um, maybe, maybe mids, and 
she was a woman who had had children quite early, I think when she was about 23, she became a mum. She had four kids by the time she was 29 and then she became a widow by the time she was 37. Uh, her son, her husband got sick uh, unexpectedly and he died within three months of going to the hospital and being very ill. He had pancreatic cancer. Um, but she was always planning on leaving him before he became very ill. And so it's an interesting podcast because she tells you the story of how she basically hated him, didn't even take him to the hospital when he was in massive pain and and etc. And really in her mind was set to leave him. They were no longer having sex. The relationship was dead in her mind. And then he rang her and said, I'm dying. I've got pancreatic cancer. And she nursed him for the next three months, slept with him every night by his bedside, you know, washed him, cleaned him, looked after him, did everything with the children to make sure that it all went well. And so it's it's interesting because it's so complicated. Um, anyway, in, in this interview, I, I think, you know, sometimes you can listen to interviews of people who are in LA who have had wildly, vastly different lives than you, who are so so raw and honest about how they're feeling and their relationships and everything that's going on that you're like wow you live in LA and and I'm having a conversation about guacamole and whether it's avocado (laughs) and um she she was very open about everything but one of the things she said to me a Friedman was she was saying oh you know how when you have a dream and you're in your house and you suddenly discover there's a whole room in your house that you've never been to to which Mia Friedman went oh yes yes I do and I was sitting there as the listener going nah like is that next thing? Is it because I've had too many different houses that I don't, I can't remember? Like why? What is that about? Um, it, it, what does this say about my sexuality? What does this say about my whatever? Nikki, do you have dreams where you discover rooms in your house that you didn't know existed? No. I was, inclined, I was thinking about do I do that? I don't know. No, I don't think I have dreams where there's rooms in my house I didn't know about. No. <laughs> Thank you. But obviously that that's something to do with the kind of mind that you have or the kind of thing that you're dreaming about, I imagine. Yeah. Was there any explanation of that, about why you oh, find a room in your house? Undiscovered, you know, things, endless opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Know. All right. So okay. Closed mind. Tell me your three favourite things. Okay, so three favorite things. I wanted to recommend a new Christmas movie because you know I'm invested <laughs> in the online Christmas movie market. Incredibly. And so I have been going through them. Um, on a positive note, I can tell you that age-related Christmas movies are, you know, we don't have to worry so much about them all being about pretty young things because Brooke Shields is back I in a that. Christmas movie. I, I didn't. Called A Castle for Christmas I, where she wears a crazy tartan sleeveless yeah, gown. I watched it. I watched the shorts. And did an immediate... Strapless, not sleeveless. No. (laughs) So there's another one I watched called Father Christmas is Home where Liz Hurley plays one of Kelsey Grammer's daughters, which is a little bit unbelievable. Um, It's kind of look at the age differential. And then um, 
and John Cleese is the competitive love rival. It's it's a very bizarre one. I also don't rate it very well. Love Heart I've previously talked about. The Princess Switch 3 is back. Um, who knew you could do more Princess Switches? But Vanessa Hudgens is now playing three versions of herself in this movie. So I can't so imagine how much she was paid to do that. So that you would recommend? Not really. Right. I'm looking forward to one that's coming out this weekend and I, I think there's another the one I need to check one? out. So hopefully next week. Is that the Australian one with uh, Hugh Sheridan on stand? Uh, no, mm-hmm. but is, if that one's there too, then is there an Australian Christmas movie coming I, out this I weekend? So. Yes. yes. Okay. All right. So that's it. So I can't recommend, but I just want to tell people I've been doing the work. Yeah. I was trying to Thank find you. a favourite thing you, to put in there. Thank you. Something I heard just actually this morning I wanted to pop in was um, the lovely Eliza, who we have talked about before, shared in a Facebook group the sounds of 2021. And it was yes. a compilation that a, a, a news reporter or I think it come from a news organisation. Yeah of basically a soundtrack of 2021. Yeah. And it, it was Australian focused, but it was eight minutes. And I just kept thinking, wait, hang, hang on, hang on. No, is there something else? What happened? No, I feel like we've already done the year. And But it just, the way it all came together, like when you listen to those things, you expect them like the start to be January and the eight minutes to be December. Yeah. But it's kind of not how it worked. It did it sort of jumped around a bit and sort of then based itself around themes instead of different, instead of sort of timelines, but it was timelines and themes. And so it sort of just kept you thinking and kept you guessing. And I really, really did enjoy it. And it just made me, I'm thinking, hang on, it's just December, but I guess people think that news stops in December, but have they met the Greek alphabet? I don't think so. I'm not sure. Maybe they'll have to redo that before December finishes. Yes. Uh, so I did enjoy that. And my third favourite thing for this week was, an expat love story that I read about oh. in CNN and Apple News this week. Um, it happens to be somebody, a friend of mine here in Copenhagen. Oh, another one. Uh, but she was, <laughs> I've got friends. It's another favourite thing involving someone I know. Um, okay, I promise next week to stop this. But basically CNN was, uh, a reporter from CNN contacted the, them because they've posted their Christmas, their holiday story. So there's a, a section in CNN Travel about chance encounters. Uh-huh. And basically it's kind of like a modern love of CNN. You know, modern love is the New York Times version. Yes, I yes. said we'll, we'll be seeing you there next. But it's about how um, as a 24-year-old, um, this young British guy on holidays in New York gate crashed someone's Thanksgiving uninvited and then the hostess uh, was unhappy with him but then became quite taken with him and he flew back to London the next day. That Christmas she crossed the the pond to spend Christmas with him and his family straight away, so less than a month afterwards. And then on Christmas, New Year's Eve 1999, at the stroke of midnight, he proposed and 24 uh. years later, you know, 20. Two years later, they're still married and living together in their third or fourth country or something. So anyway, it's a true expat story. Young love. It's very sweet and it comes with the appropriate photos from, you know, the late 90s of the the hairstyles and the the young couple in love, etc. So anyway, it was very lovely Um, and it's a very expat one too. So I'm assuming that a lot of people will, that listen to us or that are in our community have lived a, a similar kind of thing, maybe not with the holiday milestones as such, but yeah. but certainly with the Actually, distance make, romance, the meeting someone in a city. That would make a great podcast. i tell you what, Nikki, we'll do it as an ep. 
We'll get people to tell us their expat love stories. Uh, if anyone wants to go first, come on in to SpeakPipe, which is that little microphone. You see, if you go to twofatexpats.com, you can see a little microphone and you can record your story, your expat love story, whether it's a minute or two minutes, or if you're in the Two Fat Expats Facebook group and you feel like it's just easier to message Nikki or I, you can do that too, like just leave a voice message through Facebook Messenger. Would love to hear your expat love stories. Uh-huh. So that's my three for this week. So Kirsty, short and sweet, you know, this week. Beautiful. Like you like it. Yes, that's <laughs> just the way I like it. Okay, Nikki, I will see you next week or just in a few days. Well, I'll see you in a few days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, bye for now.